What's going on and welcome to episode 77 of the Fuel for Football podcast, Race to 100 Episodes. I'm your host Sanchez Bailey and we're here with another episode or uh, another episode within the series of developing uh, the winning mentality. And I'm sure that the previous episodes have been um, of some help. If you haven't checked them out already, do check in. Welcome to the new listeners. Pass on to those who you feel like this would edify. But we're, we're approaching that time of the season where the winning mentality is going to be very key. And, you know, uh, one of the key things to developing a, ment- uh, a winning mentality is that actions do need to follow. So we're at a time of the season where as you develop a winning mentality, you can have another, you can have a, a round of opportunities to, or a whole half of a season um, of opportunity to make that change. If you are in the States, I believe you are starting up, I think. So we're at a time of the season where it's, it's very important and very uh, timely for people to develop a winning mentality. It's something that can, yes, it'll be great to have that at the beginning of the season, um, maybe it's something that you kind of need to rejig a little bit. Or even in some ways, it can be, if the team's not doing the greatest, it can be something that can be revived. And so that's why I felt like it was very important for me to introduce this at this particular time, um, especially after um, a, a cup competition such as the World Cup, which demonstrated a winning mentality, maybe from Messi, uh, essentially, where he it seemed like he was doing everything he can to bring his team through. You know, he didn't play the greatest in every single game, neither did his team. But the mentality uh, went behind these actions. Maybe there was a winning mentality from the team that they wanted to take, they wanted to go all the way out and give that last push and that last dance for Messi himself. Right? And that could be explained by one, part one, which is the way that they trained. Maybe the way that they trained was... Um, according to the way that they wanted to execute themselves in every single game. Maybe the way that they trained, prepared themselves to go in the trenches in extra time. I don't think it was the first time they went to extra time, I think, um, other than the final. The way that they trained may have been uh, focusing on some elements of the game that will be very detrimental to the opponent that he was facing, or they were facing, should I say. Part two, the way that they respond now, they lost their first game of the World Cup, didn't they, to Saudi, right? That The team that won the World Cup lost their first game. It is another bit of evidence to show that if you do lose, that doesn't necessarily mean you do not have the winning mentality, right? It's about how you respond. They responded by getting themselves out of the group. They responded by having some really tough games in, in the lead up to it. I think I remember watching, was it Holland, Argentina, I think. I remember leaving. Um, one of the fan zones in Dubai and thinking, yeah, the game's done and then boom, someone scores and then before you know it, now, we, actually, was it Netherlands, Croatia? I don't know, it was somebody anyway. I think it was Argentina because I watched the Brazil game with my friend that same night, Brazil lost and then Argentina played Croatia. Yes. Now, and then, yes, the way that they respond, they had disappointing moments. I thought Argentina might have been through and then, boy, wait, hold on a second. I think it was Croatia. But Croatia won that game. It was Croatia... I don't know, man. I know Argentina played that night, so whoever they played. Point being is that they responded in a way where they... Uh, in an empowering manner, you know? Um, I used the example last week of Bukayo Saka and how he responded 
to the United, let's just say, uh, um, lead against them. And he responded and actually responded in the same way that the player who scored before did in terms of Rashford, the celebration, showing that he's in the game, he's managed there, etc. Again, kind of highlighting the winning mentality. And in one, in some ways, I want to kind of declare that like the winning mentality is one of the most important things for you to be able to combat disappointing scenarios, especially during a game, especially after a game. The winning mentality and the principles that I've introduced is so essential for you to be able to bounce back. So even if it's just not necessarily a winning mentality that you want to crown it, but you be able to have resilience. These elements here is basically, essentially the winning mentality is a form of resilience. Massive part of it. But what's so beautiful is that if you develop the winning mentality, there's so many psychological components that you're able to tick off. You're able to tick off an element of confidence. You're able to tick off, able to tick off concentration. You're able to tick off, you know, uh, handling pressure and elements such as that. So being able to have the win, winning mentality explains why you win because you're able to satisfy so many demands of the game. And I do want to kind of acknowledge and uh, place my um, guilt in having some sort of Arsenal bias, but I promise you, gosh, I wonder how many episodes out of seven yeah, I've used an Arsenal player on the front screen. But I've got Bukayo Saka again, and there's a reason why. So let's get into it. I remember watching like a post-match. I, I, look, I analyse, so when I watch the game, I analyse, so, which is why of recent I've really been enjoying watching games at home because I can watch the pre-match half-time and I can hear it, no distractions, etc. And should I start with this and should I not start? Let's start off actually with one of my uh, my dear friends actually. Um, Derek Osazi. He's a professional boxer. He is a middleweight boxer, yeah? And... Uh, he goes under the name of the, of the Punching Preacher. Now, you know, for my English literature men and women out there that are listening, that is an oxymoron, really, isn't it? <laughs> hearing that you're hear, like hearing a preacher punching. Like, those two don't really juxtapose. Like, you don't really hear those two things go hand in hand. But in, in no pun, they go hand in hand with him. He's a punching preacher. So, one minute... He is the, the, the preacher of his uh, church or, um, you know, maybe the, the group that he has. And he is someone that passes on the message of God and he's a representation of God. And the, the image that he tries to, not tries to, but the image that he presents himself in is, is a likened to the image of God, so to speak, right? So if you was to kind of perceive the image of God, you might imagine someone to be calm, relaxed peaceful right keyword um loving right but in the ring he's completely the opposite like a de- like a demon ironically right punching knockout man very thunderous in his punches very energetic in the ring and uh very lethal right so you've got two different personas coming from one individual right and what I want to kind of get at in this episode, and the episode is entitled The Way That You Think. Now, there's so many avenues I can take with this, but I'm only going to take one. But it's the way you think of yourself. Now, 
you know, there's there's so many ways that we can um, kind of think of ourselves. But I want to kind of use like an alter ego and and the person who you think you are as you know in general, and then having that that clear differentiation as to who you are on the pitch and who you are. Uh, in terms of what the contribution you want, you want the contribution to be when you are competing. Now, let's let's fast forward to what I wanted to say originally. Now, I was watching the post-match game of Arsenal, obviously, and then Roy Keane comes out and mentions what I like about this kid, as in Saka, is that he's the nicest boy you could probably meet. Now, I may be exaggerating this a little bit because I don't know if he's met Saka, but he's, he's commenting on how nice of a boy he is. Like, you can tell he's a nice boy. It's probably verbatim what Roy King said. You can tell he's a nice boy. Then he said in the same sentence, I'll post it at some point on Instagram, but the moment he gets on that pitch, he's horrible. He's strong. He's got a bit of bite, um, he's got a bit of bite on him. You know, he's someone that's very mean. Like, he can ride challenges. And he might even give a challenge back, right? He's someone that's completely different to the soft, cute, dare I say cute, but like innocent face person that you see who does a um, post-match interview and you can't help but smile. You feel like your son's there. Jack Grealish just says that. He feels like he's his son. He loves the boy. Like the way that they speak about this young man as if he's just like some little, you know, little cute little kid like that you just want to kind of protect. However... When you get on that pitch, that persona is long gone. It's a mean, dogged, determined, fierce, brave athlete that you have on the pitch. And it's completely different to the person that he is on the, on, on, on the, on the field. Now, typically, you, it could be easy to be guilty, should I say, of being a player on the pitch that is reflected... Uh, wait, but being a person on, on, in real life and having that personality reflected in real life. Oh, on the pitch, should I say. So, for an example, we have, like, let's just say Mesut Ozil. You can describe his personality on the pitch. Exceptional talent in terms of skill level. And this is not no, far, uh, no way of criticism. But one of the things about uh, Messi, or Messi, Ozil, <laughs> is that he literally is lackadaisical, relaxed, cool, easy. You know, not so much of an intense kind of person. He's, he's chilled, laid back. You see that very style on the pitch. And, you know, there's no danger in it, I guess, in some ways, because he's someone that has exceptional talent. He's got records that hold in the Premier League to this very day, maybe um, in other leagues that he's competed in. The One of the dangers is that there could be a limitation to the, to the levels and the heights that you're able to reach because of he's, he's bringing that persona onto the, to the pitch, right? Despite the talent level... He may be limited because of the way that he sees himself in competitive natures. Right? I think of Kevin De Bruyne also. He's someone that's so relaxed, so chilled, but you can tell he's got a bite to him. Even sometimes in games, when he speaks about how he performed or speaks about the opponent or speaks about a result or disappointment, you can tell that it gets to him and he wants nothing but perfection. He doesn't always get perfection, but it's the way that he thinks of himself which demonstrates a willing mentality. Right? I, I'm trying to think of 
Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko again, excuse my Arsenal bias, but these guys have been brought in because of their winning mentality. You can see from the way that these guys um, play that they train with an intensity. The way that they respond to disappointment is, is, is demonstrative or demonstrating a winning mentality. The way that they think of themselves is infectious into the Arsenal team, right? And I believe not necessarily that you need to create an alter ego, but it's important for you to be able to have an idea of what kind of person you want to be on that pitch and identify the differences between that person on the pitch and the person that's off the field. And there needs to be a concentrated effort to make sure that you nurture that person that is off the field. You nurture that, right? You protect it. You ensure that you maximize that type of person that you want to be on the pitch. You think of yourself as a person that's a fighter that doesn't give up. You want to be able to nurture that. And again, that takes it right back to part one because that's how you're going to train. You're going to, you're going to train as if that you want to look after and feed that inner beast within, within you. I used an example, and I don't know if I used it in this podcast, but I used Bane as an example of Batman. I feel, I feel like I did. But he was someone that was injected, he was artificial, he was built up to a point where he was um, uh, unstoppable, essentially, or like a really um, troubled uh, menace, right? And he was fed, he was in, in an incubator, so to speak. He was brought, it was fueled, so to speak, um, with whatever needed to be fueled within him to make him such a beast. And that's, that's the way that you kind of need to take this this perceived nature that you have of yourself and who you perceive yourself to be in the game and be able to nurture that person and nurture that and become more of that person um, so that when you, I'm talking about in competitive spaces, so that when you do compete, you're able to exude the very person that you want to be on the pitch. Now, an effective way of doing this is having a really clear idea of who you are off the field because that's you want to protect that side too. You want to be able to maximise that person and, and be as much as that person as possible when you're not in a competitive space because that gives you that mental break, gives you that mental release, right? Now, there could be a chance that who you are off the field is the very person that you want to be on the field. And that's when you need to have that concentrated um, effort to kind of relax and detach yourself from the game. But then also... All right, how can you show that in a competitive space? There might need to be some slight tweaks. There might need to be some sort of adjustments. And this is something that I really want to push to you guys because it's really important, guys, to ensure that you have a clear idea about who you think you are, the way that you think of who you are um, as a person or as a competitive player. It's important, guys. The way you think of yourself on the pitch, in competitive spaces, is going to be your limitation to how far you or how much you can give in a competitive space. I'll say that one more time. The way that you think you are in a competitive space is as far as you can go in a competitive space. So who are you? Who do you think you are? Get it down. Or who do you want to become? If you're in that scenario when you, you, know, you haven't really got to that level of thinking yet, who do you want to be on that pitch? Who do you want to be when you're in, your, in a competitive space? What are some of the features that you want to your game? What do you want to be known for? What do you want your trademark and your, your, your mission statement, so to speak, to be known as? 
mission statements are like slogans or the, you know, what is Tottenham's one? To dare, to dare is to do. And, you know, let's just say Liverpool's, you never walk alone. Those are mission statements, slogans, right? What do you want yours to be about the way that you compete? And these are the things that you need to start thinking of yourself and nurturing that and, and, and forcing that to come out in, in the scenarios and the way that you train and the way that you respond, you can respond in that mind frame and that mindset. And by applying all three of these methods, you will therefore exude the, the winning mentality. And I hope you are able to take this episode in. I believe it's really interesting, really important, really pivotal content that will change the rest of your season. Take it in. You've got three episodes that you can play back now. Download it, pass on, share it to someone and change someone's season. Till next time.